What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome in OUA show week seven. Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here. We had a massive week of OUA games, but now we are getting into the playoffs. We will talk about how that is going to shake down, but we got to tell you how we got to the playoffs first off. And that's going to start in the nation's capital on Thursday night, where we saw the Carlton Ravens and the Ottawa GGs face off for the second time this year at TD Place. The GGs this time not lacking any offensive production as they jump out to a quick 17-point first quarter. But Carlton would not go away. They slowly started to piece away and get back into it until Ben Miracle, second rushing touchdown of the game in the fourth quarter, iced it for the GGs. Yeah, he certainly did. Big day on the ground from Ben Miracle, and he did what we wanted him to do. He didn't, he didn't do too much. He took what was there. He played solid football, and it is always a battle when Ottawa and Carlton get together in TD place. We know how that turns out. Also, let's shout out Daniel Oladejo real quick for that absolute moss in moss. the end zone. Moss. Yes. Wow. What a throw. What a catch. Oladejo just kind of went up, picked it, and said, no, thank you. That's mine. Uh you know, play-by-play, play. could have used a little bit more juice on that one uh, for such a big grab, but doesn't take away from the magnitude of the catch and the GGs in that moment. On the other side, Gloden Malali came to play five of five receptions, 99 yards on the day, no touchdowns, uh, but both of these teams had to wait until Saturday to find out their playoff matchups. Yeah, they certainly did, but we won't spoil it just yet. We'll move on to the next game. To the capital of the province we go, Toronto, the six. Man, your, your Varsity Blues had their way with the York Lions, 41-7. to And Ethan McKinnon had a huge day on specials for the Varsity Blues. Not just Ethan McKinnon on special teams, but there were three total special teams touchdowns for the Blues. Cody Hale scooped up a blocked punt. Ethan McKinnon, the punt return touchdown, as you mentioned, and Lucas Stoikos in the fourth quarter housed a kick return for a touchdown. So they uh, took advantage of York's special teams, which has been poor all season. I, I feel like poor is even being generous. I mean, how many kicks did they have blocked this year that we've seen? And it it's just not a recipe for success at all. I mean, it's essentially a turnover, but it's a turnover in the worst way because it's so deflating. Like that's supposed to be your chance to flip the field, get, get some life and block punt, block punt, block punt all season long. Uh, but for Toronto, the offense didn't even have to do much in this game. Uh, once they had the, the two special teams touchdowns, uh, it was just kind of like manage the game, kill the clock. It was pouring rain. So uh, Clay finished with about 120 yards, I think two touchdowns. Not a single receiver went over 50 yards, though. Uh, and Adam Williams just shy of the 100-yard mark on the ground. Yeah, wet day certainly made it tough offensively for both teams. But, hey, I mean, when your special teams units are playing like the way that the Varsity Blues' unit was playing and you're getting block kicks, you're getting two touchdowns, that is surely a recipe for a win in bad weather. York, man, like I know you talked about it already, but I just want to say, like, yeah, this is something that was an issue all season. It's not like it was something that, you know, crept up on them and, oh, they had a block kick against Toronto this week. No, it was like week in, week out. You were having kick blocks, and it's just, I don't get how you don't address it. Or maybe they did, and it's just, it comes down to execution. I don't know. But either way, moving into the next season, that is something up, that you're going to need to focus on. 
And before we move on and talk about the OUE's playoff breakdown, I want to give a shout out to Malcolm Campbell. He was all over the field and all up in that backfield. Two sacks on the day, countless quarterback hits. Uh, the veteran defensive end, the captain of this defense, he led the way for them in that front seven in a big way, uh, and it helped with that defensive performance. The OUA East is going to look like this next weekend. Carlton Ravens heading down to Kingston with a matchup against the Queens Gales. Meanwhile, Ottawa heading out to Toronto for a matchup against the Varsity Blues. So we've got two week one rematches in this, uh, in this up and coming game. This will be the third time that Carlton faces Queens. The last time didn't go so well for them. Uh, but Ottawa will have to make their second trip to Toronto this year. Yeah, going to be a tough game for the GGs who have to travel to Toronto. And it's going to be a long road trip for them. And they're facing a hot varsity blues team for Carlton. I mean, Queens has had their way with them twice now. Close game the first time around at the start of the season. 45 rip the second time around for those Gales. I mean, how do you see this one shaking out for these two teams? Let's, uh, let's preview it a little bit if we could. Quick one, quick one. I think you're going to see Queens... Uh, take the life out of the ball early and then mid second quarter all of a sudden it's going to be a fireworks show you're just going to see James Keenan letting it rip all over the park uh over, over a sheet on the ground yeah no I, I think they'll, they'll have to come back to it in the second half like late late third early fourth when they're trying to crush clock but um I think that they're going to just kind of open it up I, I don't know I, they've got a bye week to implement all this extra stuff work on what they're doing well and I mean, it never hurts to hand Rashid the ball, but against uh, against the Ravens, they didn't really need it last time. They had so much defensive work, so I, I could see them just opening it up. They had a big touchdown in the first game against them uh, from Keenan. He played very well both games against Carlton. I, I just have a feeling it's going to be number seven in gold, blue, and red uh, carrying the team this week. Add some, add some bi-week wrinkles to the playbook and come out absolutely slinging. Yeah. All right. Let's and then move. Uh, Ottawa. I'm going to last time they played, we talked about this in week one in our recap. Tight they didn't game. really try to run the ball. I expect a completely different scenario this time. I think JP is going to be a workhorse for them. Uh, it's going to be tough to limit Toronto's chances offensively. Uh, Clay's had a very low completion percentage, but like Marsh and I talked about the week you were off the inverse relationship always has its bounce back where they finally just start clicking. And I think that's what you're going to see from Toronto this week. When they get the chances, they're going to hit them. Yeah. I think we're going to see something similar to what we saw in week one, where it was just a grinding battle between the two teams. Well, obviously I think there's going to be a little bit better football being played. It was week one, but I think we're going to see that type of game. Like it's going to be a very close game where these teams are really just throwing haymakers at each other. And whoever lands the last one is going to win. And Let's move into the OUA West where we had some wild games. We're going to start out at the far end with Western and Windsor. Western did Western things, but not in a typical Western manner. If you're following how many Westerns I'm saying, uh, 66, nothing win over the Windsor Lancers who were undefeated at home entering yesterday. Yeah. So that's the part that sounds like Western, but now I'll let you take it away with why, Western wasn't really Western, but one still in Western fashion. 
Keon Edwards, not a big factor. 15 for 65 on the day, no touchdowns, but Trey Humes just scored everything for them. So he is back. He had three touchdowns on the day. I think he only had like 30 yards, but three touchdowns. Uh, 30-point first quarter, though, opened this up for Western, and it was all because of the defense. Early on, uh, we, had Keontae, or we had Deontay Knight scoop and score. <laughs> Uh, which kind of set them up. They finished the game seven sacks, two forced fumble, one fumble recovery, two INTs, and touchdown that I mentioned. And then they also forced a safety just on a third down, kneel down punt. Uh, Savon Dagnay Jones, day. massive day as well. Uh, Savon Dagnay Jones has been huge for the Mustangs this year. And while everyone focuses on Keon Edwards, you know what this kind of reminds me of? NFL. Think of the Tennessee Titans, where they have Derrick Henry and they just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. All of a sudden, it's, oh, play action, A.J. Brown over the top. Instead of A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, it's Keon, 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 play action, Savon Magney-Jones, deep ball. Uh, it's so unstoppable. It is. It really is. And when you watch Western play, you can almost kind of tell when they're setting up for it. And it doesn't matter because they're still going to hit it. Like you'll see, like it doesn't, it really doesn't. When you watch Western play, you're like, okay, off tackle inside zone, kind of like an outside bounce run. Oh, they're going to take a shot here. Just wait. And then they take the shot. Guess what? Everybody knows it's coming. And Savon Magnet Jones still takes it to the house. Like it just, it works so well. Their offense is just so well executed. I am scared for teams that have to play this Western team in the playoffs. I mean, Western in the playoffs is just something that, you don't want to have to face. And Coach Burt said it, the playoffs run through Western. And when you're looking at Western and Windsor this year, I mean, Windsor, they had the two-game homestand where they toppled two top 10 teams. But outside of that, it's been blowout, 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 blowout. And for all the top 10 talk that they received after the second week, Kudos to the U Sports voters for holding firm in this and saying, no, this is not a top 10 team in the country. This is a rare circumstance. So uh, on that, though, Western 66 points. Like, this was I, I had multiple games going. I checked in on Western like shortly after kickoff. Deontay Knight touchdown. I was like, oh, OK, this is a great start. Uh, that's going to be... <laughs> A problem that the defense is scoring touchdowns before Keon Edwards even touches the field. Uh, turned out it wasn't Keon, but Trey Humes. But uh, this defense is ready to play. Austin Fordham Miller, Deontay Knight, Kojo Odum, Rory Kelly, guys left, right, and center, and they are going to be a tough team to take down. In they the are going to be a tough team to take down. The team that is going to try to do that just had a huge bounce back game in the Battle of Waterloo, number two. The Warriors came out swinging in this one, 36 to eight win over the Golden Hawks. But, 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 let's hold the phone here. A lot of these points came late in the game, like late in the game. Yeah, they finished the game with 25 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, including all three of Trey Ford's touchdowns. Uh, he put the backpack on. We said in our preview, we said on the Thursday episode, can Trey Ford do it? Can he put the backpack on? Can he carry this team into the postseason when they need him to the most? And my God, did he ever. 290 yards through the air, 97 on the ground, and 
three touchdowns passing. Wow. That is the Trey Ford standard that he has set for himself over his career. And we haven't seen it much this year because it has really, quite frankly, been the year of the run game with the year off and all the inconsistencies passing. But Trey Ford put on a show. Yeah, he gave us a resounding yes. Other sideline, though, this is kind of what we said, right? Like we said, Laurier needed to take the ball away, take the field away, play solid defense, squeeze the life out of the Warriors, and they did. But we also said that they needed to finish out the game, much like they didn't do against Western. And what happens again in this one fourth quarter? Trey Ford and the Warriors have 25 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Like that, that can't happen. Laurier is too good of a football team, in my opinion, to to allow things like that to happen. They had too good of a defense this season. You can't, if you're a team on the brink looking to cut the playoffs, you cannot, cannot get 25 points dropped on you in the fourth quarter and not have anything to say about it. You can't get 25 put up on you and not answer them. And when we look at this one, though, I mean, the Laurier offense, it was Cavante Bailey, and then a whole bunch of what's going on here because they only mustered 69 yards on the ground as a team. They didn't get Ante Egoven much over 50 yards. Michael Reed on the Waterloo defense had two interceptions on the day. Uh, for Connor Carousello, it was just like a clunky game. I almost want to say like they had their moments when they drive the field and he looks sharp and he's rolling out and throwing the ball well on the run, but then you'd have a pick or you'd have a stall out. And it's just kind of, that clunkiness that kind of led, I think, the Laurier defense to be a little bit tired. I mean, wouldn't you be after chasing around Trey Ford for 45 minutes? Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're spending most of your time on the field for three quarters of football, I totally understand that you gas out, you wear out. You need to get some help from the offensive side of the ball. I totally agree with that. Um, but, man, w- Waterloo in this one, fourth quarter, just looked like the team that we wanted them to be for the entire season. Electric, I think, is the word that we wanted them to be. And – They've had their moments, they've had their flashes, but we haven't seen it for a certain amount of time consistently. And it felt like that fourth quarter, they put it together, drive after drive after drive. And I know it's just a small sample size in the fourth quarter, but this is what they do. And is this what we wanted? Is this what they were supposed to be this year? Or does Trey Ford just own the Laurier Golden Hawks? A little bit of both. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. That's a tough one. But uh, this year, certainly Trey Ford owns yes. the Laurier Golden Hawks. <laughs> Two wins in both versions of the Battle of Waterloo this year. Let's go to the final game, though. This one was a big one. Uh, it was very back and forth, very big defensive match. Guelph at McMaster. McMaster rocking their all-black unis, which when I first turned on the TV, I was like, mm, I don't really know how I feel about these. But as I watched the game the more I was like, okay, yeah, the burgundy kind of goes, or I guess the maroon, they they officially call it the maroon. The maroon does really go with the black. The white piping's nice. Yeah, these jerseys are clean, but it would be so much nicer if they did it at night. Yes. McMaster, I am a fan of the jerseys, but let's bring them out for a home game after dark next year. They ended up winning this one, though, 27-22. to 22. Yeah, it was a good game for the McMaster Marauders, doing what they needed to do, coming out, getting a win to try to give themselves a chance to get into the playoffs and a big win over a good Guelph team. We said as of late, Sean Lawl has been turning it on. 
Keandre Smith and Clark Barnes have looked unstoppable recently. And that defense has solidly been one of the best in the OUA. But guess what? McMaster says, we don't care. We're not listening. We don't buy any of that nonsense. And they just came out and they played McMaster football. It was relatively turnover-free football from Andreas Dweck. He had a pretty good game just as Allen found the end zone for them as well. So there's a lot of things going right for McMaster in this one. They played, I think this is the best, I mean, you you can feel free to disagree with me, but I, I think that this was the best we had seen McMaster play all season. The most complete we had seen McMaster play all season. I don't want to say the most complete. I, I, I don't know. For this season, yes, this is one of the more complete games they've had. I thought their game bouncing back from Windsor was much nicer too. Um, but for Andreas Dubak, 15 of 34 for 213 in, in an offense, which stresses such high volume and high efficiency, he's down below 50%. Again, like that's, that's to me, the, the main marker for their success. If he can get clicking and get some of these high percentage throws going, then they're going to start to move the ball more. They're going to start to put up more points and they're not going to be reliant on Jackson cooling housing a big play. Like this game was 11 to 12 entering the fourth. And all of a sudden it was Jackson cooling 70 yard touchdown from Andreas Dueck. Oh, okay. So from that, like they, they were able to kind of pin Guelph deep and Guelph tried to go for it and didn't end up working, but uh, the 50, like the 70 yard touchdown from Jackson Cooling really sealed this game because it was two uh, touchdown game already. And Guelph had to start swinging for the fences. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And then what does McMaster do? It's, you know, it's their defense. And the one thing that I do respect about Mac is they get stops on D when they really need it. That's a good, solidly coached defensive scheme. But Mac sneaks the win, and what does this mean for the playoffs? Just want to give a quick shout-out before we get there. Keandre Smith had 10 for 123 in the game, uh, and he also had 102 punt return yards. I thought there was one point in this game. Mac had a short kick that he caught on the 50. I thought he was gone. He caught it in stride, like scooped it before it hit the ground. I thought Keandre Smith was housing it. I was like, oh, this is, this is game, because it was right before – McMaster opened it up, uh, but unfortunately he didn't. Guelph's offense could not reach the end zone, and McMaster turned it around. But uh, in the OUA West, after some confusion, uh, because we had tweeted out, I had tweeted out the playoffs and the playoff matchups according to what each team had posted because some teams, like Waterloo, had said, hey, we are at Guelph next week. So I figured, okay, well, Weston's in, Laurier's in, Waterloo's playing at Guelph. Let's go with our matchups that we know. Then the OUA had to correct themselves because they didn't know their full playoff scenario. Uh, there was just some trick in the three-way tiebreaker that worked itself out at the last second. So here's what we ended up with. Waterloo at Western in London, Guelph at Laurier. Those are going to be some tough scenarios, especially Waterloo Western, man. Waterloo is going to have to travel to Western, which nobody wants to do. It should be a fun game, though. If we get fourth quarter 
If we get fourth quarter Waterloo for all four quarters against Western, it should be a battle. It should be tight. But the key word in that sentence is if we get fourth quarter Waterloo. Don't forget, this is the same Waterloo Western matchup that we saw last week. Didn't where Western go so well. dominated from the jump on the road. I'm expecting this to be a wild game, much like you are, but it's going to be Western running away with it and Trey Ford trying to play catch up and keep yeah. up, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, yeah, that's the game that I kind of see as well. But I don't think it'll be as one sided as the last time around. Playoff football is just different. And this last game, I honestly think this is the game of the week. Laurier yeah. at Guelph, for me at least, because I love defensive football. No, I, I agree. This is going to be a slugfest. It's going to be, we're going to knock you in the mouth. You are going to knock us in the mouth. It's going to be whose defense folds first. Because this Laurier defense is going to be pissed that they gave up 25 unanswered in the fourth. Guelph, not going to be happy with their performance. As dominant as their front seven was all day, they still gave up 27 points, still lost the game, and as a result, have to go on the road this week. Neither of these teams are going to be happy with their performance, and it's going to breed some angry football. This, uh, th- this kind of reminds me of like the Spider-Man meme slash gif where the two Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. Yeah, because that's exactly <laughs> what it feels like, doesn't it? Like Laurier and Guelph just feel like, two almost identical teams in this one. They kind of play All similar quarterback styles. quarterback with big arm. Yeah. Explosive Great downfield threats at receiver. Kevonte Bailey, Ante Guovin, Keandre Smith, Clark Barnes. Lights out defenses. <laughs> Freak right? linebackers. AJ Allen, Tommy Bringy. I mean, yeah, this is Doesn't the Spider-Man it? meme of yeah, the week. <laughs> it is. It is. These are two very similar style teams. So I expect, like you said, this is just going to be – shot after shot after shot haymaker after haymaker like this might be the game that i'm most excited for actually no it is the game that i'm most excited for i gotta i gotta reserve my words on that one because i have uh, a team that's in the playoffs for the first time since the 90s that you know is also hosting <laughs> a playoff game so i have some excitement uh in other places in the province but this is certainly going to be the matchup of the week for sure for sure that's it. We're at week seven, regular season wrapped up. We got the playoffs coming up next though. So we're not going anywhere. We still have like three, four more weeks of football and we are super excited for it, but we're done for today. At least you'll catch us again on Thursday when we bring you, we kind of did it today, but we're going to bring you a full preview for the games on Thursday. So check that out and you can always catch us on social media at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at CF Perspective. Enjoy your week. We will talk to you at the end of it as we gear up for playoff football in the OUA.